Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good. Do want you to know your pastor, not just your fill-in pastor. Um, he is back. He is in the states. Him and Julia in the states. They have a long layover in New York at JFK right now, so they are anxious to get home, get into their own bed, um, all that good stuff. Um, they have. We talked. To, I talked to Chad and Julie Friday night. Yeah, um, it was almost five o'clock our time, midnight their time. They're exhausted. Um, but they um, are grateful for what God has shown them, um, is doing over there in Israel. Um, so they're good. They're excited about coming back, sharing with us everything that, um, that God is, is doing over there and with that. So just thank you for your prayers for our pastor and his wife. Um, continue to pray for them as they hopefully don't fall asleep in the airport and miss a flight. Um, but we don't want that to happen. So. Um, thank you for praying for my parents and myself and Diane. Um, single parents, yes, and that was only for four days or three days, I mean, right? I mean, last night I went over to a friend's house. Um, they invited us over. I didn't invite myself. Um, Diane had a funeral to go to, so, and I'm thankful for my parents to help out. So if you are a parent and you have parents, please, 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 I hope you thank them the things they do in your life to help take care of kids, because I know I do. And they're not even my kids, right? Um, for single parents, I know I will be praying for you more and more from now on. There is no doubt. Um, the miles on your car is probably unreal, especially if you have more than one, right? Um, yesterday, I was Chad had a swim meet, and it was... Friday night, you could just tell he was anxious, he was nervous, and so, so, so Diane and I were laying in bed praying for him, saying, okay, God, please, because we don't want to get up and have him go, oh, I feel sick, because he's like, I threw up last night, I don't know if he did or not, but anyway, so in my mind, I thought, how am I going to be positive this morning, right? So I went up there, you know that commercial, the camels, you know what day it is, right? So I'm coming upstairs going, you know what day it is, you know? He goes, swim me day. I said, you got it, buddy. I looked at Josh. I said, you know what day it is? He looked at me. I said, gymnastics day, because you're going to Ava's birthday party, right? And so trying to just get positive in that morning, he was afraid. It was his first swim meet. He was afraid. So I'm doing everything I can to keep it upbeat, to keep it positive. I had no clue what I was doing, you know. I said, if you have a swimmer, one thing I have learned is going to be hot in that pool, and get there early if you want to see, right? So, but Chad, little Chad, I'll have to brag on him. First event was backstroke. He came in fifth out of eight. But then he did the freestyle. Came in first place. Just like, I'm going. I'm trying to video, you know, and, you know, watch him at the same time. And then he did the, the fly. He did get disqualified on that because his feet weren't together or something, or the butterfly. But then he did the breath, in which he likes the best, he said. Got first place again. So, um, proud of those kids, proud of all of them. Um, but last night, it was one of these deals, if you know you have kids, sometimes they can just be mean, right, to each other. And I'm going, guys, why are we so mean to each other? Like, you know, and I get it. I was probably mean to my brother and sister. And I, I understand what my, yeah. So, you know, it goes around, comes around, right? 
So last night, we get, we're sitting in the driveway fixing to go in a friend's house because they're fixing to go play with their friend. And I said, guys, listen to me. I said, if I hear any of you be mean to one another, tomorrow is done. Like, you're in timeout all day long. I'm not spanking you because you're not my child, but you're done. Like, stays with Miss Julie and Mr. John's going to be over with, right? Sorry, Julie. It was just, well, it was at that moment, right? And they're like, yes, Uncle Rob, we understand. And Josh, if you know Josh at all, he's like, Uncle Rob, can I just give you a hug? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So he gave me a hug, and they went inside, and I said, i got to watch football and just chill out, guys. And they're like, come on in, you know, so. But it was good. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers. Definitely needed them and appreciated them. Um, this message was came to me late this week. Um, was debating whether what to do. Just It was not clear to me. Chad sent over a YouTube video from one of the guys he's on tour with, the main guy beyond Israel. And so I was listening to the videos. And what's happening over there in Israel from that perspective and from a biblical perspective, it's just amazing what God is doing over there. And if you get a chance, go to Beyond Israel, check out Amir. He's, he's going with scripture and the prophecies and then telling you about what's come, going on in Israel at the same time. So it was either going with the talking donkey, right, from Numbers, or salt and light. And so I decided salt and light um, for me. Um, so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, and the title of today's message is, Are You Being Flavor? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Are you being flavor and sunshine to those around you, you know, um, with that? So we're just going to go verse by, I don't have notes, um, just didn't get to that this week, I apologize. We're just going to go verse by verse this tonight, to this morning. See, I can't even think straight. I'm ready for a nap. Um I really am. It's only been three days with the kids. I will say this, though, right? So I was, Diane had to go to school. She teaches. So I'm sitting there. We're debating, like, how are we going to do Noelle's hair? And see Noelle, her hair, and it's whatever. I only made her say ouch once in three mornings. So I was pretty impressed by that one. And she looked decent when she went out with her hair. So. I did realize, Diane did point it out Friday, Josh went off to school in tights, and I didn't catch that one, so. <laughs> Diane looked at me and said, did you know he's in tights on? I'm like, yeah, I just let him go. <laughs> I was just glad they got breakfast. All right, so enough of that, right? Let's get into the Word. Let's pray first. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for you and just for who you are. We thank you for laughter. Um, I thank you just for my friends here, our brothers and sisters in Christ, how we can do life together, how when we are down, somebody's there to pick us up. Father, I pray that when we see others are down, Lord, we would be right there beside them, picking them up, helping them along, no matter what it is. Father, we thank you for Chad and Julie coming back to the state safely, and we ask that you'll be with them as they have this long layover. Let you just work in their life, help them to rest, but maybe also help them to be a salt and light somewhere, somehow, some way, as you can work through that, God. Pray for this morning's message, God. May our minds, attention, our hearts, affection be with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So kind of a little, little, little recap. Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And he goes through this, and Jesus is preaching to this whole crowd on the Mount. 
And he's preaching this in his, the Beatitudes. If, if you know what the Beatitudes is, is the B. B is an action, right? It is a form of going, okay? And so Jesus is saying, here is your form of going in your attitude, all right? And he goes through, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I just want to recap it real quick. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, and this poor is not talking about a, a financial poor, but you think about it this way. This poor is, you know, you hear maybe you or you know somebody or whatever is living that paycheck to paycheck, that poor sense. And the fact of how we need to be poor in spirit, knowing that we need God day in and day out. It's that poor spirit to saying, hey, God, I need you. I need you tomorrow. I need you the next day. I need you constantly. And then he goes in. Blessed are those who mourn. This is the ones who weep and hurt over those who are unsaved or spiritually ignorant. He goes on, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble. Now, granted, he said humble. Humble does not necessarily here mean weak. Meek, yes. It's putting others first before yourselves. Then he goes on. Is that me calling out? <laughs> then he goes on. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, you think about this and just that hunger, you know. We eat how many times a day? Some of us probably eat once, right? And we may not hunger very, but some of us have snacks throughout the day, myself, right? I've got a little pack. I've got my, my nuts, my fruit, my salad, whatever, trying to eat healthier, um, doing all that. And you're snacking on every couple hours. And it's that hunger. Do we do that with God's Word? Do we do that in a prayer life? When you're thirsty, you know, for a lot of us, we do what first thing in the morning? Not me, but we go where? Make sure we got that coffee pot going, right? And we thirst for that. How many of us thirst for God's word or for prayer time in the morning? He goes on, and it says, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. How many times in our own lives is it harder to show forgiveness? than it is retaliation. Because in our humanness, we wouldn't go, uh-uh, right? Whether with somebody who has hurt us, we want to what back. We see it in kids all the time, right? I saw it for three days. It's this jealousy. But we do it ourselves, right? But how many of us will show mercy and forgiveness and go on? It says, for they will, it says, when they will be shown mercy, blessed are the pure in heart, and we did this study in our life group, and we talked about the pure in heart, and I, and I remember, can you see our world and the world without corruption? How many of you know somebody who is always positive, who sees the good in just about everything? <laughs> I would say Josh, and those who raise your hand, I'm looking around, you're like, yeah, 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 right? Josh, I would say, yeah, you were probably one of the biggest ones. For me, I want to say, oh, there's about something going wrong here. <laughs> Am I right, Josh? You know, when Josh and I kind of balance ourselves out when we meet, right? You know, he's being positive. I'm going, no, oh, let's be reality right here, right? It says for here, it says the pure in heart. Can you look at the world and see the good in others rather than the bad? Can you think, imagine a world without corruption, without hate, without evil? Because, guys, guess what? When we get to heaven, that's what it's going to be like. Does that mean that we're not to be on our guard? That's not what I'm saying. But in a heart to be pure, to look at life that way. 
he goes on, and I know there's a whole sermon series, but I'm just recapping, so we're not getting too deep. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Those peacemakers is not necessarily between men and men, trying to make peace between men and man, because we know what, if God's not in the middle of that, that peace is never going to happen. What he's talking about here is the peacemakers between man and God, and helping man see the need for God in the relationship with him. And then the last one, it says, blessed are those who persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of who? Because of Jesus. And then verse 12, be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As I was reading this week in Philippians, I'm reminded of Paul and Silas. And they were in um, Philippi at that moment. It says they were in prison. Now they had chains on their ankles. They had chains on their hands. They were locked up. They were shackled. If you remember the story, it's in Acts chapter 16. And it says they were in prison. It said a great earthquake came. But before that, does anybody remember what they were doing? Singing. Singing and praying. How many of you could be singing and praying, being shackled up? 10,000 reasons. One, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, by the way, it was a dungeon. So it was dark. It was at night. Five, six. Now, we can go on and on, but you get what I'm saying, right? Paul and Silas were rejoicing. Earthquake came. Shackles dropped go on to the rest of that story the jailer knew it happened he was afraid because back then if a jailer fell on his job his life was at stake his family was at stake he went to draw his sword and to plunge it into him and paul said stop we are all here paul and Silas made such an impression on the people not just themselves but on the prisoners around them that none of them left that's how i read that story because he would have said Paul and Silas were here but he said all are here because they were praying and singing because they were being persecuted what's going on in your life right now you think like you're feeling like you're being persecuted do you consider it joy and I'm not saying we should go around being Josh and jumping up and down right He's not even in here to hear that. That's pretty sad. But in our hearts, we rejoice and say, okay, God, you got something planned. Because after that story, Paul and Silas went to the jailer's house. He cleaned up, his, cleaned up their wounds. The jailer did. And the jailer says, hey, how can I be saved today? Him and his household were saved. And so they started the Philippi church along with Lydia and others. And then Jesus goes into this whole this another part of the sermon. Just talked about being persecuted, and he says this, verse 13. You are salt of the earth. You. Talking the crowd to those who were following him. So I'm looking at you, those who are Christians, those who are believers, those who say, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, repented of your sins, you turn, you're following him, you're talking to us. We are salt. Let's think about what salt is for a moment. Back then, it was a preservative, right? 
They used it for meat. It helped from decaying that meat. Think about it today. It also uses for flavor. You know, if somebody went to McDonald's, most of you would, I had a dream last night, I don't know why. I had a dream there was McDonald's, there was all kinds of salt on those fries. And I'm like, no, I do not want this much salt, right? Here's the thing. You have too much salt in your body, what does it do? It hurts it, right? You have little salt, too, too much, too little salt in your body, it does, the body doesn't perform like it's supposed to. Salt is a chemical compound thing that I don't understand, but I know that it's good. It doesn't change corruption to being incorrupt, but it slows down the process. Mississippi River flows into the Gulf of Mexico. I lived in the south for many years. I saw this. And if you look from above and that river flows into the ocean, you can see it just clearing up as the dirty water goes in. Salt in the ocean purifies. Those who have pools, that chloride tablets, right, has salt in it. Clears up your pool from green to clear, right? has that chemical agent in it that helps <clears throat> whatever's going bad to make it better again. Salt's used in soap. What do we use soap for? To clean our hands. So it has this cleaning agent in it. Think about it this way, too. This was interesting to me. And if you're those who are, in other words, my eighth grade science teacher, Mr. Preston Johnson, would be oppressed by this one. But he's not here today, so I'll have to text him later. Salt is made up of of sodium and chloride. Hydrochloric acid on your hand will burn it away, right? You drink hydrochloric acid, you'll be dead within minutes, seconds. <clears throat> you add sodium to hydrochloric, you have salt. Think about it this way. Sodium as God's grace into hydrochloric which would be our lives as we are decaying, would equal a miracle of grace, a regenerated person for a blessing to mankind. Let me say that again. Sodium, God's grace, into hydrochloric, our lives, our decaying lives, equals a miracle of grace, but equals a regenerated person for a blessing to mankind. You get where I'm going with this? You are salt. You're that preservative. Excuse me. I apologize. We are that preservative. We're the ones that are supposed to be helping this world from decaying. Helping this world from becoming corrupt. It talks about the earth. And it's different than what he says later on. It says, it says, you are the salt of the earth. You think about the earth. It's distinct from heaven. It refers to the ground or countries distinct from other countries. The earth and the things of the earth is corrupt. And we are, we are to be that salt, that preservative to keep what's wholesome, to keep what's righteous. To keep the good, to keep the pure, to keep the truth, and to keep the love. Just as salt adds flavor to food. We are to be godly influences, and not just an influence, but in a pungent way, a strong way. You think what salt does, you get too much, right? You get too little, and you add. Now, some people I know are like, all over their food. 
But guys, if we're not strong in our faith, if we're not strong in our walk, more likely you're going to be afraid to be salt of the earth. He goes on to say, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I don't believe it's it's referring to here about losing our salvation. And let me share a story with you. I don't think I've shared this with anybody, so it's a new one for you, man. I haven't shared this with Diane, so that just tells you. It just got laid upon my heart this morning. There was a time in my life when I was living in Brownsville, Tennessee, away from mom and dad. I just resigned from the church student ministry and was kind of doing my own thing with the Sherwin-Williams, and I went to this little town called Brownsville, Tennessee. Um, I began to not necessarily do anything bad or wrong, but live in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. Um, I was building relationships and friendships, but they weren't godly friendships. And I thought about this verse when it said that, you know, the salt loses its saltiness. Nothing good to be trampled. I was living in such a way that people knew that I was a preacher because they heard I was a preacher. But I was in the country club. I'm not going to lie to you. I was drinking. You know, and I was just right with them. These were people who went to church. I would go to church with them. They were in the Methodist church. They were in the Baptist church. I would go to church with them. I would still sing. I'd still go. I'd still read my Bible. But I wasn't being true salt in that time of my life. I wasn't necessarily sharing the gospel like I should have been sharing the gospel. I wasn't living in a way that people are like, wow, you really are on fire for God. They were like, wow, you're preaching, you're drinking with us? Two things can happen here, guys. I'm not going to lie. One, I've built relationships with those folks. And we were friends. But I wasn't being true salt. And I wasn't really being a light. When that, talk, when that verse talks about being thrown out and trampled on, if I were to go back to that town, it would probably be like that. Because they would see Rob as their drinking buddy, not as a guy who's trying to live out in every way possible. Does that make sense? I lost that influence. How about for us? For you? Have you lost that influence for those around you? Is there a way to get it back? I'm sure there is. I'm sure if I did go back to Brownsville, they're going to accept me. But it would be harder for me to get to be an influence in their lives than it would be if I was already on fire for God before. Can God move in the hearts Heck yes. Right? He can move in yours. He can move in theirs. But you begin to lose that influence the day that we start compromising our beliefs, our values, God's characteristics in our own life. That's what I believe when it says just trampled on. Think about it. Good for nothing. 
goes on. Verse 14. You are the light of the world, though. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden, and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house. Notice he uses, you are salt of the earth, and then he goes to what? Light of the world. The difference between earth and world. This world is cosmos. It's really, it's an instance of, <coughs> of mean um, to carve out, to polish. Think about God's creation. He created the world, right? Jesus says, I am the light in John. And he says here in verse 14, you are the light. We are light in a world that God created. God, Jesus is saying this to the folks. It is our responsibility, your responsibility, my responsibility, to point men back to the fact of how God created this earth and what it was meant for and who we are to give glory to. You are light of the world. Think about what light does. Light removes darkness. Think about the sun when it comes up in the morning. It removes the darkness over the land, right? You turn on a light in a dark room, and the darkness goes away. I was <laughs> getting up this morning trying to find the light to the room because I'm not used to it. I did live in Tad's basement for a while, so it took me a while even just to go to the office in a dark room because I didn't want to wake Diane up with the light. So I'm going, okay, there's the couch. All right, there's the chair. Oh, yeah, there's the piano, right? And when I hit the light to the office, it, it slowly just started lighting up. How about our lives? Are we bringing light to a darkened world? I'm going to say this to you folks first. It better start in your home. And it better start with husbands and wives, with mom and dads. It better start there. That's where it needs to start. And I love this. Um, Jesus said, uh, "A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, city on a hill situated on a hill cannot be hidden." But then he goes to this verse 15. It says, "No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but that on a lampstand and gives all who are in the house." So he gives us two situations here: a city that is full of light. If you've ever been in the country, when you look off towards the city, you just see this lights everywhere, right? In your home, when you light up. Light up a room, it kind of lights up that whole room, turn a light, right? Think about it this way. And back then, they had with the, the lamps, candle, right? And it would give light. Think about all those lamps in a city on a hill lighting up. Because everybody was lighting a lamp, right? Think about the church. If you and I, lamps, are lighting up, Together, what happens? Unity. Work together. The community sees it. I said it before, it's in our name, light point, right? That's the whole purpose, guys, is to be light into our community. And we are doing it. I believe it. This come Thanksgiving, this past fall, we're doing those things to be light to show some type of light, to show some type of love in our community. The people who work in the school system and showing light to the teachers, showing light to the kids, whatever it may be. But are we being light? Are you being light? Am I being light in my own home? To the neighbors next and to the left and to the right of me. 
And we have a, a widowed lady that lives to the left of us. Um, and Diana are always saying, have you checked on Miss Wanda? Usually I'm saying it to her because, you know, she's usually home before I am, before it's dark. Have we checked on Miss Wanda today? How's she doing? Just doing those simple little things. <clears throat> it's our duty to remind the world of who God is, how and what he created was for us and to give him glory. Two thousand no, excuse me, nineteen ninety eight, I believe it was. Can you all think that I forgot the four? I was at Fairfield First Baptist. I was twenty three years old, young kid, right? Didn't have a clue about student ministry, was learning along the way. I was just doing my best to build relationships. I just went through a, 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 the breakup with the first fiance and just feeling just, eh, you know. We went to camp every year to a camp called Infuge. And I always wondered what it would be like to be a counselor at one of those camps. So God provided the opportunity for me to be a counselor. At that time, I had probably 15 or so students. One was my sister, Deborah, who was a freshman. Her best friend, Amy, who was also a freshman. Amy's sister, Melody, who was a junior, I believe. A girl named Emily, who was a sophomore. Another freshman named Brandon. Kind of the, the main one. <laughs> Josh laughs because he knows Brandon is and those kids. But I told them what I was doing. They were excited for me. They were actually going to come to the same camp I was. It was going to be great, all that. Um, I challenged them, let's do something to show Fairfield community that we are light. That's all I pretty much throwed out the challenge. And I don't remember the exact words. That was over 20 years ago, right? But it was something along those lines. Two freshmen in high school, a sophomore, a senior, three freshmen, and probably some others scattered in that. Decided to do a what's called sports camp. I don't know if Chad's ever said anything to you all about this. It was a camp where the students led. No adults were there except for to supervise. They wrote their Bible study, came up with a theme, wrote the Bible study for five days. Did that, did worship. They found somebody to do worship. They also led each track of some sport. We had a lot of athletes back then, too. We did baseball, we did football, we did basketball, we did cheerleading, we did all of those. And each of those leaders were due to devotion during that time. That first year, we probably had 60 or so kids show up. When I got back from camp, I was already doing seven weeks of camp. It was already week eight when I got back. And all I was there was to do was to direct. They did everything else. In two years, 2022, 20, 23, that camp will be 25 years running and strong. Josh knows he was there this past year. They had 100 and almost 200 kids. Now, because three freshmen, sophomore, senior, took my challenge, 
and ran with it. That camp went on to Australia. It's where my sister was a missionary. Myself, Chad and Julie, and other couple, we took students with us. We did that camp over in Australia. It was fun because we did Australian sports and American sports and tied them in together. I went from director mode to actually teaching sixth graders. And at that time, there was a big uh, tsunami. And to answer a sixth grader's question about tsunami was tough. Because he didn't understand God's sovereignty. That camp also went to Alabama where I was, and we expanded that to do mission work in Camden, Alabama. I cannot say, I know the Australian, I know Camden is still no longer doing it, but Fairfield First Baptist Church is still doing almost 25 years of sports camp being light into that community. Because kids said, hey, God, how is it that you want us to be light? And that camp is still going, still strong, and students are still leading it. Because we're children. Because I know it's the Holy Spirit that worked in that and beginning. How are you, or how are we, and we think about us as a church too, is there anything more than we can do? you have an idea, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you have an idea for our church and what we should do, you lead it because it was your idea. Don't expect the pastor to do it. Why? Because it wasn't his idea. It was your idea. If God gave you the idea to do it, guess what? He's also going to give you the strength to carry it out. I tell you what this church will do, and I tell you what our elders will do, is we will support you. We will do everything to help you get that idea and go on with it. Last thing it says here. Oh, no, it's a few, it's a few more things. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. <laughs> when you turn the light on in your room, do you go up there and cover the light immediately? No, nobody does that, right? People back then weren't going to light a lamp and stick it under a basket. And Luke, it talks about lighting a lamp and putting it under a bed. Two things. Are we being a light in our work? And are we not being lazy with the light that's within us? Last thing is this. In the same way, let your, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's not about us, period, whatsoever. God's saying, hey, you have a light, let it shine. And I promise you, others are going to see it, but then automatically you say, oh, that was God and not me. There's a common thing that salt and light have. Neither one of them make noise. Did you hear that? One thing salt and light have in common. Neither one of them make noise. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to go, hey, look at me. I'm not going to yell. Josh will probably yell at that moment. Live it out. Each and every day, be joyful. Even when you're three days with kids, you still somehow be joyful, right? 
Thank God for the friends in your life, the parents in your life that help you out, the people in your life. challenge to you guys this week I see a lot of people every week the sales guys I see a lot of people at times I'll I'll share that I do go to church share about our church what we're doing met a lady single lady just moved from Memphis so we had that in common because I've lived there for eight years went into her home um, there was something about feel just the, somehow the spirit just being there and we got down to the price which is the most you know you get down to the price and they're a salesperson and their attention there's tension in the room right so I give her the price and she goes are you for real and I'm like oh here we go again and I said I said yes ma'am I said you know <laughs> so I went through the spiel again you know my little deal and then she was I can't believe this I said, well, what were you thinking this was going to cost? And she goes, I had a quote. It was three times as much as I gave her to paint her inside of her home. And I was like, and I went, wow, you know, really? For this? And I looked at her and I said, I said I'm going to go off script for a moment. Do you go to church anywhere? She goes, not yet. I'm looking. I said, are you a believer? She goes, yes. I said, how about this? God just sent you a brother in Christ to help you out. We got through the, I made the sale, thank God. And then, you know, we went on. And I said, I said, I would not be a brother in Christ if I didn't invite you to our church. And I told her what we do, how we do things, all of that. Invite her to our life group. Um, she's still struggling with things. I'm still praying for her that she'll come one day. But are we making just the effort, the people around us, being bold, being courageous, in a sales meeting that I'm not supposed to bring up religion, right, or church, and yet there it was, the opportunity, and I wasn't going to let it pass. Now, please hear me out, there's probably a lot of opportunities I did miss, but are we being bold, are we being salt, and are we being light? challenge to you this week be salt and light to those around you don't be afraid to ask somebody to come to church but more importantly don't be afraid to share Christ with somebody especially those who are close to you if heaven is real then so is hell more importantly our goal is not to really just scare people from not go, you know, scare people from hell going to heaven our, our goal and our duty show people that there's a relationship with your creator. Father God, we thank you this morning for you. Thank you that you tell us we are light, but ultimately it's you are light. Father, I pray that this week that we would take the challenge, myself included, to continue to be salt and light to the world, to stand up, to shine, Sometimes we want to we want to put that light over on top of us or hide up underneath our bed to be lazy. But God, help us to be bold. Help us to call on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Can we shine together, praying for one another, to 
supporting each other. Father, use us in a way that blows our mind. This week, each of us in this room, give us the boldness, give us the courage to live for you in our home, in our workplace, and with our neighbors. God, show us what it is that you want us to be about. How do we fit into your plan? We know your plan is for the whole world to come to know you. We pray for that. But God, how is it that we fit into your plan? Show us. In Jesus' name, amen. Several ways we could respond this morning. I'll be over here in the prayer area for you to to lift up in prayer. Communion tables are set out. Just remember that time when you're taking communion. His body that was broken, his blood was shed for you. He loves you so much. He's willing to die. The offerings, I always believe, and I know a lot of people give online, and I hope that when you even give online, you lift up that prayer saying, hey, God, use this for your kingdom. So if you drop it in the box, you give online, say that little simple prayer. And then last, respond just by singing. Smile. It's okay. We have a God who loves us, right? Who's there for us. Who wants us to be joyful. Use this time right now, if anything else, but to give Him glory through your voice. No matter how bad you sound. That would be me, too.